so I was reflecting the other day. Okay. About um, you know the guy, the that guy from that Panther movie died. Yeah. And I guess as he was on his way out, he was um, he was sick. Okay. And people were trolling him on the internet. Okay. And just like, and they didn't know he was sick, and I guess people were making fun of him or something. Wow, you're doing a lot of adjustments. Okay. I'm listening. And it just reminded me when you were overseas, you were, you're, you're, you're deployed. Yes. And you're running the CrossFit Games, and you're running the CrossFit Training Department. Oh, dude, I don't know if those weights can take that. That's some rogue, plasticky kids' weights. No, no, they're oh, good. Oh, my God. They're good, they're good. I don't okay. know if you understand. I'm listening. So, um... I think what people meant to say is thank you for your service and we understand if you might be tense or not like have your all your charm at 100% capacity because you're flying back and forth from deployments while running across the game and running training department with, with in conjunction with Nicole the training department but I mean that's crazy yeah but it wasn't well, like it wasn't known to the world you yeah, guys but, knew it right right but you're fighting for people's freedom and then they're on the internet fucking telling you what an asshole you are yeah, it's true. It's crazy. And that was a decade ago. I know, but I'm just yeah. saying, like, I'm old enough now to... Um, Reflect. To be mature enough to thank you for your service. Thanks. Have I ever told you that? No, I don't think I have. Oh, well, thank you. It's cool. I have three kids now, and like, I'm like... <laughs> I think I finally, like, respect you. Finally. <laughs> it's about time. In 2008... Um, this wasn't how the interview was supposed to start. That's fine. In 2008, um, uh, Lauren Glassman asked me what I wanted to do to, for the games. I was working on the media team. And I said, oh, I'd love to make a documentary. And she said, okay. And so we started off with making a documentary. And then about 10 minutes later, 20 minutes later, she called back. And she said, um, we have to get Dave involved in this. And I'm like, yeah, of course. She goes, no, no, we have to really get him involved. He has to be like partnered and okay with the film. I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. She said, okay, cool. And then basically they called you, and that was like the beginning of our relationship. But the first year I worked at CrossFit, you pretty much hated me. I don't. I don't. I wouldn't say I hated you. I don't. There's not a lot of people I hate. I think I just have a natural guard up against people, and uh, it takes a lot of uh, it takes a lot to earn my respect and to get inside and for me to trust you. Yeah, so you, I think it just was my shield. You told me that you. I never heard this term before. I met you that you compartmentalized. Yes, I definitely compartmentalize a lot of things. Anyway. Well, you know, and not... I, and then you just flipped the switch and we were friends. I don't know, friends. I mean, now we're friends, but you've... Like, just all of a sudden one day, it's like, okay... Well, you did something. Need. I don't even remember what it was, but you did something for me to feel that I can trust you and let you in. Oh. And it's probably just your, your sincerity. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How many games... Have, how many games... What games is this? This is the, uh, we started in 2007, we're in 2020, so 13th year. You don't just know that off the top of your head? You're not like, oh my God, the 13th games. No. Because you knew when the 10th was coming up because you had that plan to bring it back to the ranch. Mm -hmm. The 10th, that plan to bring it back to the ranch really started brewing like around the 6th or 7th games. Because at that point you knew, I knew, we knew like, hey, it was here to stay. And so like, okay, I could start planning a 10 year return now, in my mind. That was a huge secret. Uh-huh. And pretty much no one knew. I don't, I, I don't know. A handful of people within the organization knew. 
Yeah, like very, very small. Yeah. Like not even Greg knew. Not even Greg knew. And um, not even the media teams knew, like the documentary team didn't know, because I remember it was the, we told them that night, and they basically had to jump on the plane with the athletes. And that, that was so necessary at all levels, just to keep the secrecy of it to, uh, you know, to the level that we did, because I didn't want to leak, I didn't want it to get out, because it would ruin the surprise, it would ruin the effect, so um, it was necessary to, to have that degree of secrecy around it. And, and, you know, for someone, again, like I've said this recently in a podcast, look where I came from, look what I did. You even brought that up in the beginning. If for me to, to work at that high level of secrecy and con- containment, essentially, with information is, is, was and is easy for me to do. Do you like that? Um, I really like that surprise element of the game. Putting all the athletes on a jet and bam, they're in a room and doing a workout. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. It's the unknown and unknowable, and it really, truly, it's one thing to prepare for something, prepare for an event that you know is coming up, and prepare for a routine and demands that are known, but to prepare for something where you have no idea that where it's going to happen, when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen, um, it really challenges the athletes mentally. More so, more so mentally, obviously, than physically. I mean, physically, once they get there and they're on site, they're all going to perform. They all have a high level of fitness. But also adding that mental twist is such an important factor um, in all of this. Is it, How does that test fitness? The, well, there's, the a fine, there's a fine line. It, there's a fine line between being too gimmicky and not testing fitness with that. For example, you know, it would be a, um, an amazing mental test is... Um, doing something at night and talk about challenging their fears and challenging, you know, how they adapt there. But that now you've crossed some lines and now you're not really testing fitness. So the, the, the thing about when you ask how that tests fitness, once they, so the mental challenge happens when they find out, when they get on the airplane, when they get to aromas, once they get there, it's, it's a fair challenge across the board and everybody's had to deal with the same mental uh, hurdles to overcome. Now on site, the tests are pretty traditional in the sense of now we're going to test fitness and it's not a matter of, um, of actually holding someone's fitness level back because of the mental aspect. But there are some tests where the volume or the task, be it unknown or something the athlete hasn't done before, is a mental stressor and is something that breaks them down because of their fear, because of their fear of having done something unknown. And you like to take it to that line. I do, and I like to res- <laughs> I like to challenge that line, and I like to respect that line, and I don't like to to, to cross a line where okay, it's there's no fitness being tested anymore, and it's just a mental challenge because you can easily cross that, and it would be. Um, it would devalue the competition. So even in the mental things we do, there's still fitness being tested, and it's the priority. This line that we're talking about, have you ever written about it? Does anyone else know what um, defines this line besides you, besides what you just shared right now? I've never written about it, and I've never even thought about it like I've maybe just even talked about it. But you know, when you talk about fear and, and fear management, Tony Blower has written about uh, live that his entire life in terms of that's what his profession is. So he'd be a good resource and it'd be a good, it'd be good to have the discussion with him. You just made Tony Blower's 2020 year by mentioning him. <laughs> um, 
What's going on? What? Uh, tell me about just uh, popularity in terms of the Dave Castro popularity. It, er, it seemed like for a while there were haters and, and th- that era is kind of over. Is that era over? No, that era is not over. And it's funny, someone the other day asked me about the popularity. And, and at this stage, it's like, um, it's a whatever. Uh, and the popularity, I understand, is within the community. I don't think I'm a celebrity, but I'm popular in CrossFit. Um, and it's a whatever because I've been doing this for, you know, almost a decade and a half. And the notoriety, the popularity came really early on. So I'm very practiced and have dealt with it for a very, even pre-Instagram. I mean, I was already a very popular figure in CrossFit and, and I've had to deal with the, the, nuances and the so you challenges think you of think it. So you think it's just, let's say it was um, 80-20, 80% of people like you, 20% hate you, just for a real simplistic model. You think it's still like that? Well, that's not what I was talking about. Oh, okay. Sorry. So I was just talking about the, uh, just dealing with the, from the early days of, of, especially managing the games and as CrossFit was growing as a fitness brand, being one of the central figures in it. Yeah. Now, if we want to quantify the the hate you you know what's interesting i definitely once i went on instagram and got active on instagram i think it swung more towards people seeing who i was and people liking me because in the beginning there was more uh, there, i won't say more but it was easier to see the hate than people who actually supported uh, me and and that was also okay because i was in a role where it was really easy to dislike me and that was in you know heading up the games giving these workouts out uh doing these challenges to athletes in, in a role where it was doing times. doing these challenges to these athletes like you were abusive like you were <laughs> beating them yeah exactly it, where where oftentimes i didn't um it was easy for me to be um a figure to rally against because all the athletes and everyone's so positive and then you have big bad dave coming in and making them do these challenging things that you know, they didn't even expect. And so, and then also there's an aspect of um, when you, you're a figure at the top of a very popular movement or, or sport, it's really easy to target all the things they're not doing right. And it's really easy to be critical of them. And you see that for a lot of people who... The weather here sucks. It's Dave's fault. <laughs> well, that's not exactly what I'm talking about. But for sure. Yeah. It's easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The it's prize easy money's to... not right. It's yes, fault. yes. They didn't include 85 and older. It's Dave's fault. Yes, yes. It, it's easy to be the target when you're a public figure. And so I've dealt with that and taking it on for a very long time now. And um, it's, it's nothing to me in terms of the... Is it? It's nothing to you. I think it's nothing to me. I mean, because it's not new. And it's something like, so here, here's the thing. Uh, Eric, Eric Rosa, it's brand new for him. I think. I don't think he was a celebrity in the community or in a community for, um, it, in, I don't know. Maybe he was when he was at Data Logics. Maybe Data Logics. Maybe they had this huge community that followed them and, right. and looked up to him. I don't think they did. But, but as his role in CrossFit now, with this role, he's become an instant CrossFit um, celebrity. So for someone like him, it's brand new. For someone like me, what I'm saying is, I've been dealing with this since 2006 or seven in the early, yeah. yeah, for sure, in the early, really? yeah. Oh, you hit it well. And and yeah, fuck yeah. And that's one of the reasons why um, I took the compartmentalization of things and the isolation of things to the level that I did. And that's also why you don't see my family on my accounts at all, because in Sensitive the early, subject for me. in the early days, 
I was a target and like we're talking about people would come at me and, and I was an easy target and I made a decision really early on. I couldn't, I don't want my family to also go through that and I don't want to put my family in the, uh, in the center of attention for, for, you know, the possibility of attacks like that. Cause if that shit would have happened, I would have, uh, you know, there was one fucking hater early on and this was pre Instagram. There was a website, I forgot what it was called. And this guy would post shit and he would take attacks at Greg, at me, at CrossFit. And then one day he did this post and he had taken a picture of, it was a picture of my wife from her gym in San Diego and he posted it on his thing. And I honestly don't even know if he knew. He must have though. And if he, I don't think he knew, but he talked shit about her squat and that she was wearing a knee brace or, or something like that. And um, it really fired me up. I was like, fuck, like, here this guy is taking shots at, he's always taking shots at us. He's, and it was okay. But like, now I felt like my wife was pulled into it, but I don't even think he knew, but he probably did because he was probably poking the beast. And so that was part, one of the moments too, where I was like, all right, I got to keep them out of this. And uh, so again, so the, did you act on that? No, no. And there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of things I don't act on. There's a lot I just take <laughs> in. I just take it all in and just fucking absorb it and just note it and just remember it and process it and oftentimes you don't need to act on things and just you just understand you, you you know what people reveal their true colors more often than not by coming at you by being vocal and so you see okay got it understand what you really think understand who your character what your character really is and what you're really about well said i'm just going to stay silent i'm going to stay in the back and i'm just going to watch and you know, it's all data points. It's all intelligence. It's all intel. I just collect. I just take it all in. Be fucking vocal. Be loud. I love it. What about what about this group of people just in the CrossFit community over the last year that have taken have come out of the the trenches and started throwing rocks? And now that it's settled down, you have to deal with them day to day, whether it be athletes, media, coworkers. How do you process that? Like they like like there's been a lot of rock throwing. Um, P, I, I respect. I respect. A lot of it unjust. A lot of it not true. People. I just, respect and understand people were um, upset and hurt, but same sort of thing. Data points. Like right. there's a lot I'm not forgetting. There's a lot I'll remember, right. and it's all it's all good to know. It's all. You'll good throw to rocks see. at me while I'm down. Noted. It's all good <laughs> to see how people act when the fucking house is burning. Right. And you know, like well said. People act how people respond to chaos, and so what did I do? I laid low and I was quiet and I just collected, took everything in and just processed. And so, you know, and all that does ultimately is it just, I believe, it puts me in an advantageous position to deal with a lot of things and to, to flow and just... Is that part of good leadership? Yeah, and I'm not going to lecture or rant on leadership because there's plenty of people who do that and make a living off of it, not having really done much in leadership. Isn't that where seals go to die? They get away and <laughs> they start just preaching about it. leadership. Yeah, kind of. So tell you what kind yeah, of get up in exactly, the morning. Exactly. Yes. Uh, yes. Totally. Yeah. That's not, that's definitely like I do not want to be known. Like I'm a good leader and I enjoy leading, but I do not want to be known as the guy who preaches about leadership. Because the, the people who need to learn about leadership from people who preach about it are fucking already in a big hole. 
Like you need to learn about leadership through action and through learning and through working and through being in those roles, not from about re- not from reading about it or, or listening to some. 15, 60 second Instagram clip. It's the same thing for success too. All these fucking su- sites on Instagram and books about being su- successful. How about people giving parenting tips? <laughs> You're killing that field. You own it. You own it. Um, if we were to take uh, the athlete Chris Spieler. Yes. Um, he was on the podium. Right? Yeah. yeah. He to the podium one yeah. year. Um, and you take him and you compare him to let's say someone who's I would say kind of maybe equivalent to him today, his version. I would say no let's say no Olson. Okay. Is there any comparison between the two? Like like if you were to pull out the hopper? In my eyes, no. Does Noah just destroy Chris? Noah today? wins Chris ninety nine point nine percent of the time. The the level of athlete then compared to now is at a much higher place. And someone like Noah is way more well-rounded than someone like Chris was. At the time, Chris was able to succeed and have the success he did because the depth of field, the number of competitors in CrossFit, and especially at the top, was relatively low. And um, now, especially on the men's side, it's really tough, and it's really, there's a lot of good competitors. And, and he's, he's an outlier. He was an outlier then with success. He'd be an outlier now even if he was in his prime without the same success. And that outlier trait being that he was so small. So Chris, not even in height, but in physique, I mean in size, he was about 135. And so he's at a big disadvantage relative to all he of would, these others. He guys. would put on like 10 pounds for the games and get up to like 145, 150, right? There was, I remember he would be really struggling to put on weight. What happened with Chris is he was dominant in the field because of his well his engine but his uh, his body weight and his uh proficiency at the body weight movements the problem was there was a time where all the other athletes that were much bigger than him basically got to the same abilities with body weight movements that he was at now i'm not saying they were all able to do 100 <laughs> kipping pull-ups because that was one of the most impressive things uh, i've seen in crossfit and he did that remember right, years right, ago right. I think it was at a trainer summit. He did 100 unbroken pull-ups. That's amazing. And um, But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in competition. And you saw that one year. We programmed at regionals a um, 30 burpee bar. I'm sorry, 30 ring muscle-ups for time. And so, and then that was also coupled with, I think there was an overhead squat to kind of balance the two out that were in isolation. And, uh, and interestingly... On paper, when you saw that, everyone was like, Spieler's going to dominate this. This is a Spieler thing. I think he was like, I might be wrong. Someone will correct me. Fourth or fifth in his regional on that workout. And like not even first, not even fourth or fifth in the world, fourth or fifth in his re- in the regional, in his regional on that workout. Um, and someone like Rich Froning was, took, I think, second on that and second on the overhead squat, proving like the complete balance that we were looking for across those events. And, and when you see something like that, that's what I mean by, okay, the other athletes in the field have reached his level in, in the body weight uh, movements. So you can't use that. So you have to be able to do it all now. Yeah, you can't have, you can't have any deficiencies and you can't... You, it's becoming harder and harder to be an outlier athlete. Uh, another outlier athlete, Asia Bartow, in terms of height. Someone like him was really tall, 
Uh, Tommy kind of was there. Tommy Hackenbrook. Elijah was kind of there too. Those were really tall athletes. Jeff uh, Leonard going back even further. That's going back even further. There was a phase where you can be an outlier like that and thrive. And now, um, even at this stage, look at Fakowski. He's a little, he's taller than than most, and you see him struggling these past couple of years to make it to the to the higher levels. What is the what is the height of the perfect crossfitter? Five eight, five ten. I'm going to assume based off of uh, historical results and based off of where these guys are going. And what about the age? Uh, 20, 23 to 27. And that's going to become more amplified in the future as more and more athletes are in the sport and as they're these athletes with a deep CrossFit foundation starting as children. Um, and, and it's going to be harder and harder and harder for athlete, and it's using that word outlier again, Sam Briggs is an outlier. So she, she on the female side is in- Because of her age? Yeah, she's still able to make it to the top level, but it's not the norm. She's an outlier and an amazing competitor, but you see it on the men's side. There was a period where uh, at the games, we'd have men who were over 30. Now the last couple years, I don't think we've had one male who was over 30 at the games because it's becoming harder and harder to compete at that high of a level as you age. It's a recovery, uh, anyways, it's a recovery it was, issue, right? It is largely a recovery issue. Large, the games is large, largely a test of recovery to a certain degree. Um, recovery on a macro level and recovery on a micro level. Um, interesting. It was, it was also one of the things why, like, I love Bill Grundler, but he was silly for this notion of just chasing, like, I'm going to keep competing as an individual and not wanting to do the, the age group qualifiers. There's no shame. Same, same message to Bridges, Bailey, any of these guys who, who don't want to do the 35 to 39 because it's like selling them. No, man, it's, 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 it's human physiology, you know, your age and you, you're going to lose a step. And those divisions are there for guys like you take advantage of them and, and go compete and thrive. You're a professional CrossFitter, be a professional CrossFitter. Oh man, you're opening up so many boxes. I want to come back <laughs> to that when you said a professional CrossFitter. I want to challenge that notion. Um, so, so the, the height five, eight to five, 10 age, 23 to 27. And the third piece is what previous discipline is the ideal discipline to come from? On the height and on the age, I will say this. This is me speaking just... Uh, you're going to ruin my follow-up question. This is me <laughs> just speaking on like just like this conversation, not having put any thought in it. Right. I would definitely 100% go back to the data and stats right. and look at that heavily before like in the, in the way in the way that I handle things before like making it my statement. So right, meaning, right, I'm just right. saying that here, but, but for, for me to really give you my position, I would look at the, the exact data. Right, right. You haven't taken that. the average height. You're just saying just from... We have done that stuff, but but um, I don't have the exact stats right, right off the top of my head. Okay, and then what, and what previous sports? So you got you had Katie Motter, who was basketball, and she was amazing with anything under four minutes. And you had Miko Salo, soccer. Yep. Right? And then you got this Matt Fraser guy. Rich was baseball. Was he baseball? Yeah, he played baseball. Okay. Pretty, pretty good. And you got this Matt Fraser guy who's lifting. His background. Yeah, he's weightlifting. Olympic lifting. Yeah. Is there? Is there a? Um, I always just, off the top of my head, would say it's a gymnast. Yeah, I think having a gymnast, especially you see that in a lot of the females. The female side, there's a lot of good uh, women who have a gymna- uh, gymnastics background. So, what's your question? Is there any? Is there is there a discipline that's the we have the ideal height? You know, by ideal, we have the most common height, but the ideal based on. Well, who we're seeing rise to the top. We have the ideal age based on who we're seeing rise to the top. Is there an ideal sport based on who you're seeing rise to the top? At this stage, I'm going to say it's CrossFit. 
Wow. So at this like stage, Haley, you're saying, Haley yeah, Adams. yeah, exactly. At this stage, I'm going to say maybe not five or six years ago because okay. there was not a lot of young, uh, maybe seven, eight, nine years ago. There's not a lot of youth doing CrossFit. But if you want to be super competitive in CrossFit, if that's your goal, the sport to do that, I would say would be CrossFit because even in CrossFit, you're so you're in competitive CrossFit, especially you're training so many, uh, you're training Olympic weightlifting. You're putting a priority on Olympic weightlifting. You're training gymnastics. You're putting a priority on that. You're training your engine. There's so many of those other things you're training to ex- to be, to excel in CrossFit that it naturally train in the sport of CrossFit to be good at the sport of CrossFit. Right. And, and we're going to see that more and more as there's a bigger field of youth participating. Would you ever do the ball throw again? You know, Yes. That was something I did not want to do at all. That was a Greg idea. Greg had, Greg had, uh, he wasn't heavily involved with programming, but there was a few moments through the history of programming where he did insert and say he wanted something. And, uh, the sledge being one of the big ones at the 2009 games. And then the ball, the year we threw the ball. And he, the sledge was a fucking disaster. I actually, I, so. I liked it, except oh. for the finger smash of Nicole Gordon. <laughs> um, I, I like the sledge. Um, it was a disaster to execute, though. We had to dig out the ground. We put new dirt in. We tried to make it all consistent. So it was a big challenge. But I mean, I loved it as a fan. I, I think it was cool. The ball. What about this? Sorry, sorry. Before we get back to the ball. Today, people would, today people complain about what lane they got for the sled. <laughs> Do you remember when people would say that they got a harder, yes, softer yes, spot yes, to yes. sand? And- it was, that was like the original. <laughs> yes. That was amazing. And I'm telling you, we dug it all out with a tractor and had it refilled, consistent, and had it packed. And so it was as consistent as we could make it. Okay. Um, the ball throw. So that was a great idea. Yeah. I was kind of against it. Tony, would you do it again? Yes, Sorry. I would. Tony Budding really liked it at the time. And... Uh, and so I kind of lost out on that one. I wasn't gonna, and Greg wanted it, so that's that's cool. We we're gonna have it. Um, but Greg really wanted them to throw left and right. So the version Greg wanted to do was they throw one with the right, they reset, and they throw one with the left. And I pushed against that because as bad as a lot of them were with their strong arm, with their weak arm, it would have been a disaster. And if we would have done that, there would be amazing YouTube clips right now <laughs> of the athletes throwing with their left, with their offhand and just looking like ridiculous athletes. So I didn't want to put the athletes in that kind of compromised position or, or out them like that. Right. So even though you did accidentally anyway, just with, the uh, well, even though we did by, by <laughs> yeah. just keeping it to the, to the, to go back to Chris Spieler, it yeah. looked like he'd never thrown a ball in his life. And same with Jason Kalipa. Right. And so, um, I liked it as it played out, but I'm glad we made that pivot and did not have them throw with their weekend. You mentioned the term professional crossfitter, and I've I've looked into like a lot of professional sports, like who's at the top, and I've interviewed a lot of professional athletes, not a lot, a bunch, and. You know, the average career of an NFL football player is like 3.3 years. The PGA, once you're out of the top 150, once you're out of the top 150 golfers, you have to pay. <laughs> and so just to tell you how big golfing is, I heard some stat that more money is spent on golf every weekend on the planet than the entire value of the NFL, just because of all the products and balls and golf courses. And I believe it. Yeah. 
So if that sport can only support 150, and you have the um, UFC, you know, they show the prize money. The guy will be on the main card and he only gets paid twelve thousand dollars. Yeah. You know, and how many times can you fight a year? Yeah. I mean, two, three, if you're yeah. lucky. You know. Yep. I mean, it's it's brutal. Um, football, we said three point three years, probably similar for the NBA. I'm guessing similar for Major League Baseball. I I didn't look too deep, deeply into that. I think it's five, I'm, four or five. Okay, but they have that crazy minor league yeah. where dudes just go and never come out of it. It's a black hole, right? And then I'm tennis, same thing. It's just a very, I mean, even the dudes who are at the top of tennis, if you don't get that sponsorship deal, it's just, especially when you see people like um, LeBron James, they, I saw some, something, some, I don't know if it's true, but he spends $1.5 million a year just on like taking care of his body. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So how can a sport that's so small like CrossFit Oh, so, 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 let me go back. So then Dana White finally said in a press conference, Dana White said, um, this is not a profession. This is not an occupation. This is an opportunity. This isn't a career. I think his exact words are, this isn't a career. This is an opportunity. And I've always viewed CrossFit as sort of that. And I, and I, and anyone who thinks they're going to go to the NFL and play for 10 years is just crazy. I mean, I think, I feel like you, you answered it well, and you covered all the bases. That is it. You just don't want to talk about it because it's... No, 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 no I'm not done. I'm, I'm okay. still I'm going. I'm going. Okay. Interestingly, how could you even call an NFL career a career if it's only three years long? Right. For the average player. That's not right. a career. That's a... That's, a, a that's de- what you're getting paid. That's a detour in your life. That was your occupation for a few years. Right. Um, on that note... Do we have pro athletes? Yes. Do we have a definition of what that is exactly? Not really. Do we have a lot of pro athletes? No. Does taking do, does qualifying to the games make you a pro? Well, it depends on, depends on how you define that. Nowadays, are most of the guys going to the games pro athletes? I don't think so. Does getting paid at one of these events or a few of these events make you a pro athlete? Mm, some people would say yes. It depends. If you're dedicating your entire life to the sport and you have sponsors that are supporting your efforts and you're making a lot of money off prize money, like a few people have, like a few people are, you're a pro athlete. T is pro. Matt's pro. Rich is pro. Christmas Sabbath. Uh, she's not a pro CrossFitter. She's not right. a pro CrossFit athlete. Right. Uh, yeah. She's made money off of CrossFit. Right. She's, uh, but she's not a pro CrossFit. Great ambassador. She's an ambassador, yeah. Yeah. Huge she's following. a celebrity. Yeah. She's on TV. She transcended. Well, CrossFit. you could say Brooke Entz too. Right. Brooke Entz is right. Brooke Entz a right. pro athlete. At this stage, no. Was there a point where she was trending in that direction? Maybe. I think there's a lot of pressure and a lot of people who want us to have more pro athletes and to be more like pro sports. But the reality is, especially in individual sports, as you pointed out. There's just not a lot of a, and the individual sports like tennis or golf, um, there's not a lot of pro athletes even in those sports making a lot of money. There's a lot of pro athletes in all sports that spend a lot of money to be good at their sport and to try to break into the top. But every sport you mentioned there, NBA, NFL, uh, golf, UFC, they've been around for half a century to a century, UFC 20, 30 years. Yep, almost 30. And they and we've been around for 10 or 12, and they have massive, massive, massive media deals. We don't have massive, we don't have, we don't have 
tens of million. We don't have million dollar media deals. We, there was a chance, or there was a point where we could have had. Uh, we could. Tr- we're definitely going to trend and have that as a goal. But we're not making millions and ten millions and you hundreds have, of millions. UFC's media deal was one point five billion five years. ESPN just that one deal. Not we, including pay per view. We don't have those deals. We don't have that reach yet. We will one day. And once we start getting to those those levels and that type of um, fi- financial um, stability coming into just us, then that's when it all could the the, the possibilities can branch out. And it, it could it can be more like some of those other things. Not the NFL, not the NFL, because we're not team sports, but more like maybe tennis, more like golf, more like some of the individual sports. But that the the steps you don't create a sport and then automatically make pro athletes. Like you gotta create the sport and you gotta let it all happen, fall in line. And uh you know, the 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 pro athletes and the opportunities that have happened are not by our decision. Meaning we didn't tell Nike or Reebok, hey, sponsor these guys and give them the ability to just train full time. It happened by the market. It happened naturally and it well, grew. It grew because those people wanted to support them. As the sport grows. A little pushback there. We did some incredible media. Oh, absolutely. But we so, some, so we, like, yes, like we, we, we built made, those guys up. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And we provided, we made the platform. Right. We created the platform yeah. and from that platform, they were able to leverage it, become superstars, leverage it and get the interest from outsiders, get the interest from other sponsors, get the interest from Rogue. So we built this platform, this competition platform. Take it platform. outside the United States. Make it international. It's been international for fucking, and that's the other thing too, is like this notion that we want to focus on making, we're international, we've been international. Our our champion in 2009 was from Finland, right. you know, and every year since then, the podiums had um, people, for, except for this year, interestingly, we don't have a lot of international representation because of the format this year, but in the past, it's been. So, so I, I hear this noise about, um, you're going to love this, I hear this noise about uh, wanting to be treated like pro athletes. If you did start treating them like pro athletes, would you cut the women's pay by 90% like the other sports? <laughs> and let capitalism drive the market? And let me throw one more thing well, out so there while I say so Let me I just interrupt there. Way, let me say one more thing. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I see these comparisons. I saw one on Instagram the other day of like um, um, the NBA salary compared to the WNBA salary and, yeah. and, and how... Um, offset it is obviously NBA players make way more than WNBA players and again that's just the commercial that's just you know the broadcast deals and the sponsorship deal that's not by design that's where the sport is in its development there's billions of dollars being poured into the NBA and it's not there yet for the WNBA it'll eventually hopefully get there but it's not there yet and the NBA has I don't know the history of the NBA But the NBA has a much deeper, um, it's been around much longer than the WNBA, I assume. But Someone might come out right. and say they but were. All, pretty much all women's sports. Yeah. And, and vice versa, gymnastics on the other hand, women get way more than I men. don't think there's a lot of money in gymnastics. No, uh, well, just in, I co- think in if the you, college programs. There's a ton of women's college programs. That, that the programs get a lot of money, right, right, but the athletes right. don't. I'm just saying just... In general, there's a, there's an imbalance in places that's, okay. that's driven by capitalism. In CrossFit, it's not like that. I went on to the game site because okay. I did thorough research <laughs> for this interview. 
And by the way, th th that's something else I want to talk about. The game, the last, the last post on the game is last post of games media was on October fifth, and before that it was the 29th, and then before that is the twenty third. Is this the last year we're going to see a drought of media? I mean, that is, I mean, yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty. You must be disappointed with that. Yes, that's the last year we'll see that. The drought. Yes. I mean, would you call it a drought? The, the resources in creating media and content are lacking. Obviously, over the last couple of years, there was a lot of changes made, and we got to fix some of that. Um, when I click on the piece of content that's um, that's not made by CrossFit, but but it's posted on the CrossFit site, there's a there's a six minute video looking at Matt Fraser, will he win again? And then there's a six minute video looking at Tia Toomey, will she win again? Same production quality, same graphics, same everything. The one that Tia. When you click on the Tia one, it has like 2,300 views. When you click on the Matt Fraser one, it has like 23,000 views. Is that, I, I actually was expecting it to be the other way around. I, I thought over the years that the women's was more popular, but what's your opinion on that? Is that, is there, a, is there a, is there not a balance there? Is that indicative of the popularity of the men versus the women? I would like to unwind that by looking at more Matt and Tia footage in terms of like, let's take, I'm not going to make any statement off of one video of each, right. but let's take 10 videos of each and 10 videos. Okay. And then once we had a, a collection of information intel, then we can make a better assessment to support what you're saying or to not support what you're saying. And, and again, I, I won't even discuss that with off of one video and one video. Good, good. Great dodging. <laughs> Do you think if Matt... This is why I do podcasts now. So there was a long time where I didn't do podcasts. Uh -huh. And it was just a lack of interest. Didn't care about getting out there. And then about a year ago, I decided, all right, I'm going to do podcasts again. Just to kind of to grow and learn and deal with questions and learn how to just... Not learn, but practice navigating different questions or questions I don't want to deal with. Um, I think Fraser could win... I think Fraser can win the game with the coronavirus. I think you have two cases of it simultaneously. <laughs> I think he's just so dominant. I mean, I haven't talked to him, you know, about his fitness. Um, I talked to him about coffee, maybe, and kids. But is it? Would you say? Would you say it's e going to be easy for him? No, fuck no, no way. It's not easy for anyone to win the game. Ask him, even for the ones he has won, if it was easy. And of course not. Ask Rich, ask anyone who's won the games if it was easy for them. It's never easy for anyone to win the games. Some people are better prepared. Some people are in a better position to win. Some people have put in the work, have the genetics, call it what you want. Some people have are set to excel, but it's never easy. Is this the hardest games ever? This will be the hardest games ever, for fucking sure. And, and you know what, like... Um, how do you know that? The the days are very unique. I look back at what we've done and how many days are the games this year? Three, three, and um, three days. You're saying that it's three days. Yeah, it's three days. I think we even put that out today. Okay, and they can. There's not a surprise day coming. Well, it's three days. The games are three days. <laughs> um, it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yes. Okay. The Friday is going to be a giant day. And uh, we haven't done a giant day in a really long time. So the, that is going to, it's going to start with a bang. And more importantly, it's going to end with a bang. We basically, um, 
we took the script and we took the the popular belief on how to run a final event and how to do the final and how to program a final and just fucking tore it up. And this final will be unlike any other final that we've ever done in the CrossFit Games. And so from start to finish, it is going to be a very different CrossFit Games. With no fans, with no uh, with a limited field, we're able to do things differently. And so we're doing things a little differently. It's 100% the hardest games ever. I think so. And again, I'm saying that from my perspective of having programmed and not doing, but I look at what I've programmed and what they're going to do, and I think it's going to be the hardest game ever. Are Tia and Matt more prepared because of their experience and their success? Or has that hardened them and made them capable of handling the hardest games ever? Or are they rich and spoiled with success and soft and not having their fans there and their masseuses? And I'm assuming that you can't bring an entourage. No, you can't. Well, we'll find out, right? Well, do you have an opinion on it? I think they're, I think they're, poised to do fine in that environment but i'm not going to say that they are we have to find out because it is different they so they have a really deep experience in competing at the crossfit games in years and years look before they were matt and tia before they were dominant they were competing and not winning and that's just the way it goes you know matt had a couple two uh second place finishes one behind ben one behind rich before he got his his victories Tia, same sort of thing. She had a few years where she was just outside. Um, now they're not. Now they're the dominant figures. But all the years of games, everything we've done, minus the one ranch visit where it was less spectated when we came out, it's going to be like that for the entire weekend. So it's going to challenge them. And like, you know. How many people can Matt bring? One. One? Yeah, everyone can bring one person. It's Matt and one person. But, yeah, some of so the events he, that other person won't be allowed. Do you? Really? Yeah. So Matt's one, there'll be an event where Matt's just there with Matt. Yes. It's like him and Noah will be hanging out. Yeah. No distractions. Yeah, but I mean, there'll be staff and right. judges around. Right. Uh, has the hotel already been picked and all that stuff? Uh-huh. I mean, it's a couple of weeks away, right? And that, and all that situated, like, basically they get bust in in the morning and bust out. You're, you're reaching your end? No, 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 I'm good. I got okay. a few, I got a few more. Um, well, I keep up with a sigh. <laughs> oh, I know. The, um... The venue, though, the main venue is in Morgan Hill. So okay. that's kind of a new, like, I don't think we, we haven't communicated that at all. But we're basing out of a venue in Morgan Hill, doing most of the competition there, and just kind of reaching out and doing a few things at Aromas. So the ranch is just a media stunt? It's not just a media stunt. <laughs> it's, uh, it's gonna, the ranch it, is a gimmick. The ranch is not a gimmick. The ranch is going to bear some of the load of the event, not all of the load. Will it be depressing... Um, to the community um, in five years when you sell the ranch for $200 million to, <laughs> to a developer? Uh, it'll be exciting to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is some of the most, for people who don't know, um, as Silicon Valley and the Bay Area explodes, you, that ranch is on um, the major corridor and the second biggest corridor in California. Yeah. And it sits right on there, 65 acres. Yeah, off the 101 that my dad had subdivided into 10 parcels that he could, that we could uh, <laughs> fill that and sell. <laughs> uh, do you have plans for the ranch for the future? Do you have plans to sell it? No, 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 no. no. Um, is there any discussion left in Rich coming back or is that discussion dead? Uh, 
I would say it's dead and I'm disappointed by that. And, you know, like, uh, and plus at this, this year was the year for him to do it. Same thing, age. By next year, he'll be too far behind the curve and continue. Look, the team thing is easy. And that's why a lot of these athletes go to the team thing relative to competing individual. Are you going to get in trouble for saying that? No. It's easy relative to going individual because you are not the sole responsibility for um, the team doing bad. And, and in almost every case, Rich is the most, um, the fittest person on his team. So when the team's slowing down or when the team's not performing as well, it's not because of Rich. It's because of other people on the team. And so that makes it easier. That makes it less stress. That makes it less demanding. And... Um, it's a it's a nice graduation for people who don't want to have the entire pressure on them and don't want to don't want to still go through preparing for an individual competition. And that's kind of why he did it, I believe. And I think um and to do with his kids. Well, yeah, that has that has a major part to do with it. Um to spend more time with his family, but still pursue but his passion still, and make money. He still trains as much as anyone else, you know. And so um Hmm. Hmm. So you call him bullshit. It's a little strong. No, it's not strong. (laughs) (laughs) He's in his comfort zone and he's in this fucking fairy tale life. And he, he has, he has a successful business. He has a successful professional persona. He's killing it. He's surrounded by all these people who support him. And I believe there's a lot of people who are not challenging him and trying to get him outside of his comfort zone. And he, he does not want to leave this comfort zone that he's in. And to leave that comfort zone and to be challenged would mean to compete individually. And, um, and it's, you know, when you look at someone like me, That's so fucking foreign. And why I say that's so fucking foreign is because my whole life, whenever I saw this, something that was really fucking challenging or hard to do or, you know, going to challenge me to a level I've never been, I went fucking after it. When I realized the SEAL teams were the hardest, um, were the hardest, the, the, the physical test and the challenge to become a SEAL was viewed as the hardest test in the military physically, I decided to try that. I went after it. Then once I was a SEAL, when I realized there was another level to try out for and to aspire to uh, where you're putting your, your, your reputation as a SEAL on the line, I went after that. I was at the peak of my career and I went after and I aspired to the next level. And I did that. And so like I've, I've always, in my mind, always taken challenges gone after the challenges to succeed or to push me or to challenge me and so when i see what rich is doing and here he is at the peak or prime arguably maybe just slightly past it and instead of fucking running after that challenge going fuck yeah i'm gonna compete against matt fuck yeah i'm gonna go into the storm no, he's he's staying comfortable and he's staying in his zone. Why why would you do that? You, you as soon as you sense fear in yourself, you want to address it. Why would you not? It's just a, it's a, it's a mentality. It's a way of like thinking. It's a way of fucking growth. It's a way of challenging yourself. Like that's what that's what makes us all better is is taking on those impossible tasks, taking on going into the things that make you uncomfortable. Again, to go back to 
He's really comfortable doing the team thing. He's really comfortable at home. And I call bullshit to this notion that he couldn't, he could, without modifying his training much, slip right into the individual field and do great. Proof in the pudding, his open results. He was 19th in the open. He was 19th in the open, meaning he has all the fitness he needs. He could have done this stage. He could have done the second stage. Um, and, you know, so to go back and I look at it and I think maybe he's afraid of failure at this stage. Maybe he's afraid of being exposed, which he should not be at all. Um, yeah. Do you do you put any value on perfect records? Like, I don't really put value on perfect records. No, bullshit. I don't at all. Yeah, I don't put value on that either. Like, who cares? It's super cool. It's super cool. It is cool. And I really respect... Floyd Mayweather and his perfect record, right. but it also shouldn't be a reason to not take the next challenges right. and not go there. It was, and I think people would like Rich even more, not that there's anything not to like now, but people would like him even more if um, he put it on the line against Matt and gave us that Oh, show. he'd be huge. He'd be yeah. huge. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. Uh, again, this is all just my opinion and how I feel, and that's perfectly fucking fair. <laughs> and I can have that opinion, and I can uh, feel this way, and he can make the choice he made, and he's fine. He doesn't right, care right, what right. I feel. No, no, yeah. and like, I don't disrespect him for it. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, not like, a, you know, in the Jordan documentary, um, at the end of it, they talked to him about um, coming back a fourth year. And the whole thing was they, they, they basically the ownership disbanded the team and they weren't going to be able to make a run for the fourth. And they asked him, hey, would you have done that fourth? And he goes, basically, he said, yeah, I'd have loved to have made a fourth run. Do you think he would have won? He goes, I don't know. I don't think so. But still, we need. it would have been great to find out and to go for that challenge. That's the fucking attitude right, right there. Right. Jordan, like, it didn't fucking matter if he was going to lose, but he would have loved the opportunity to try. Two things. You've got to, you've is got to not try. Be... Is Matt going to go for six or is this going to be it for Matt? Is, is Rich the bar for Matt? I know Matt would claim nah, he's not. No, no I, I don't think Matt. Yeah, Rich is not the bar for Matt, especially you at this You think Matt point. wins this and then, and then it, if he wins this, he still comes back? I don't know, actually. Oh. Because he's like... Uh, he's he, a trippy cat. Yeah, he's different. Like, yeah. I, I don't know what he does. And I, I wouldn't even, even try to figure out. I don't care enough to like... Right. Here's the thing, people. When Rich, when Rich was leaving, people were like, oh my God, Rich Froning, your star is leaving. What are you guys going to do about this sport? And I'm like, I don't care. Like, it's going right. to fucking survive right. and thrive. And there's going to be other stars. Right. Same thing with Matt, man. Like, hey, if he wants to come for six, awesome. If he doesn't, see ya. Like, fucking right off. Into, like, there'll be other stars and this sport will be great. And find Noah. There'll be, there's plenty of other people who will, who will help feed the story and the, um, the sport. The sport is bigger than all of us. The sport is bigger. The sport, not... Fuck the sport. The community, CrossFit, is bigger than every one of us. And, and that's like, that's the thing people can't forget is like, this thing is moving and rolling and the momentum is so large. And fundamentally, it all comes back to because the methodology that Greg created works. The method, constantly varied functional movements executed at high intensity is why all of this exists. It's why all of this is here. Work. Um, Josh Bridges pursuing a box, boxing career. I love it. Have you heard anything about that? No, I don't. I, this is what you posted, but I love it. Uh, I mean, you can't... Okay, so here's... I saw he's, not, he's not pursuing a boxing career. No, I know. He's 35, know. he's 35, 36 years old. He's not pursuing a boxing career. But he career. wants to get in the ring and fight. He does? Yeah. Okay, but that's kind of the thing these days is all these celebrities getting in the ring and fighting. He posted some... He posted a YouTube video that's really worth watching. 
Um, and it, it, it's humbling for him, right? I mean, he looks great until he gets in there with this guy. Yeah, well, that's that's how it is. I mean, like... The, the f- and Josh even laughs at himself. Like, he swings at this guy and this guy ducks. Like, this yeah. guy's not hittable. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, it's cool for him to pursue as a... Uh, as a... Even for conditioning, for interest. I love boxing. It's like... Like, yeah, awesome. Should he fight? I don't think so. It'd be fun to watch him fight one of these YouTube guys. YouTube kids. Well, like this Jacob Logan guy. What's his name? Yeah. Is that his name? Um, he... Uh, He's been taking it really seriously over yeah. the past few years. Yeah, let Josh should fight him. He'll get his Josh will get his ass kicked. Really? Yeah, fuck yeah. I mean, that guy's been training now for two or three years, boxing full time. He's a millionaire from his YouTube shit. He's got the fucking funds. Resources. He's got the resources. He's got the depth of experience now, uh, and and probably they're in completely different weight classes. Josh is this big. This guy's this big. So let's go back to this. If it's 5'8 to 5'10, the age is 23 to 27, and the sport is CrossFit, how is Matt Fraser is, let's say, 5'7 at the most, right? 30 years old and and Olympic lifting. So he's 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 outside the he's outside the archetype of the best crossfitter. He's very close on height. So mm-hmm. he might even actually be five six. It's definitely a shorter. <laughs> he's short. It's definitely a shorter um, stature. He's very thick. He's very strong. He's very compact. He squats incredibly yeah, I'm fast. I'm not talking about these things. I'm okay. talking about his height, his age. Is Base. this his last year? Is he going to lose? Is there going? Are we going to be surprised? Did age catch him in the offseason? No, I, it might have. I don't know if age has caught him yet. Can he lose? Yes, absolutely. Will he lose? I don't know, but he can lose. He's not good. It's not a runaway. Like there's, it's a runaway. It's not a runaway. There's so much that can happen. Um, Noah's really fit. A lot of these guys are really hungry. And um, we'll have to see, right? The very first time you saw a casualty on the battlefield, do you remember that? Yeah. And like you remember it and remember it. Yeah. And do you remember the last time you saw it? No. (laughs) Now I have to think. That's a good question. Why do you remember the first time that you saw a casualty? I mean, that's that's probably a deeper question. Why do you remember the first time of anything, right? There's a lot of firsts we always remember, and that's the nature of a first, right? It's first is so memorable. It probably has something to do with that. Were you surprised? No, no. And here's the thing, like, because uh, we trained entirely for those moments, those outcomes, like so much training in the past had been foundational to those moments. So years and years and years of training and just programming are foundational to kind of deal with and see and go forward. Um, and do you think about your time in the service every single day? No. 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 Did you for a while when you no. came back? No. no. I, I don't like, like, look, there's a lot of guys who live it and who are living it and who can't let it go and who just fucking, like, their whole identity is it. That it for me was a decade ago. That it for me was, like, I've had a lot of success in life and a lot of things I've done since then and even during then because I was working for CrossFit and active duty at the same time. And 
for me, it was really easy for that not to be the defining feature of me. There's a lot of people now who that is the defining feature of them. I didn't want that to be the defining feature of me. It is a very important part of me. It is a very port, uh, important part of my past. It is formative of who I am, but is not, it is not defining of what I am now. My, I didn't want my past success. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be um, judged or valued off of what I did in the past. I want to be judged and valued off of what I'm doing now and into the future. You, you, you train for, you were a SEAL for, you were in the Navy for 14 years. 12 and a half. 12 and a half. And so you train for this occupation, this occupation, you train, you train, you train for it, and then it's over. Mm-hmm. What skills do you bring to the CrossFit games that you learn there? And to just your job at CrossFit? Uh, discipline, organization, uh, being able to deal with chaotic environments and make quick decisions with, uh, in, in, Quick, high-risk decisions that need to happen now, and not um, being frazzled by by shit. I get fired up. I get fucking. I get going. You've seen me, but like, I'm still in control. And like, um, being able to hand handle some of those tough decisions, being able to keep the teams going, being able to keep order amongst the athletes, amongst the staff, just organizing it all. Last two questions: Will there be a movie this year? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think we're going that direction, yes. So it'll be a movie that's on iTunes and mm-hmm. on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And do you know what the name of it is? Uh, the TDC documentary. <laughs> the reason why I asked what the name of it is because um, there was a movie that we made called uh, Froning, the Fittest Man in History. Mm-hmm. And now if Matt Fraser wins... The newest be... Fittest Man in History. <laughs> yeah. So it's an interesting... It's, it's interesting. Is there, is there an extra... I mean, is there an extra focus on Matt because of that? Do you know anything about sort of the, the idea of the film? No, I haven't gotten into the film on that level. Okay. Will there be behind the scenes? I hope so. I don't know. Year? Are you available? I'm very available. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, you know, I think that's it. Everything else is just about your family life. <laughs> All right. Great. Well, thank you.